Join us as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. casual thing i mean <laughs> it's impossible we can't do it all <laughs> yeah. all righty joining for another fun laid-back episode we got jonathan mark and i we're just tackling the best works of hollyberry <laughs> still one of the most stunning actresses ever <laughs> yeah i actually did not know that she was a miss usa pageant so i'd find that out today so this world 1986 came in sixth place damn i always knew that she and charlie Theron were both former model turned actresses that's kind of what the whole kind of deal was you know it's just that was a a rare uh actress turn you know model turned actress to actually win an award and yes, sorry guys, as we are recording this, I don't want to hear anyone bitch slapping us because, oh, you left out Bruce and a few other recent movies. Yeah, well, they're not out yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think we've seen pretty much most of her movies. I, much like Charlize, when she was starring in some questionable stuff post-Oscar win, I was kind of just like, I see nothing wrong with what she's doing compared to what other has been people are doing so um, at least she tries in some of them unlike some actresses uh, you know even just actors in general there are some people it's like yeah they didn't even read a script they just instantly asked their agent how much how many millions is it in oh it's 20 million and over doing it laughing <laughs> for five days sure she's had some interesting activism stuff I kind of knew that she was always kind of talking about uh, just, uh, you know, nonprofit, seeing her at charity stuff, but I had no idea that she was also, like, uh, testifying against a natural gas facility that was poisoning wildlife, um, that Arnold Schwarzenegger, back when he was governor, later vetoed the facility as a result of her and a bunch of other celebs' efforts. <laughs> it included Pierce Brosnan, Dick Van Dyke, and Tia Leone. So, <laughs> there you go. Uh, know that she and Jennifer Gardner were at a California State Assembly supporting a bill that would protect celebs' kids from harassment by photographers. And that bill successfully passed. So, good for her. <laughs> I'm glad that happened. Yeah. Some of those guys can be. Oof. 
Yeah, fame versus fortune. I'm sorry, but I am not going to wear a disguise just to not be seen. I'll just order online and have it be under a different name. <laughs> exactly. But I'm not going to just be like, yeah, no, I'm... <laughs> And I'm sure since there's a lot of bigots, she's probably been mistaken for Angela Bassett and she's had to politely say, uh, sure, I'll sign the autograph, but I'm not Angela Bassett. <laughs> Dickhead. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the parody just kind of and mockery all, all started with Catwoman. And honestly, she was the only reason any of us, I think, checked out that movie. We're just like, oh, she's the superhero go-to gal. <laughs> Before yeah. it was kind of a thing. And she was also kind of mocked for kind of questionable interpretation of the role with Storm. Like she uses like an American accent and goes like a different kind of accent in the first sequel. And I was like, no one knew what they were doing on the first one. And everybody just kind of freestyled it on the second one. <laughs> By movie number three, they were just having fun coordinating the stunts. I, I wouldn't take any superhero movie seriously. <laughs> Well, what's interesting is that's the first movie that introduced me to her. Oh, was, really? The first X-Men. So. Yeah, I I mean, I knew about her for a while. I knew that because, I mean, her whole just career just explodes right away. I mean, she's already been kind of doing a lot of stuff in the 90s. And a lot of her movies, I couldn't go a single weekend, you know, back when... WB before it became the CW and UPM or mm-hmm. thing. I was seeing it. There, it was even WGN. It's just like I, I could not go any kind of movie, you know, pre-fame or post-fame that wasn't not showing on. You know, <laughs> one of true. these channels. I think this is going to actually be pretty embarrassing. The first thing I've seen her in actually was actually the Flintstones movie. <laughs> I think that was the second thing I saw her in. And that, that, that was one of those, like, I didn't even know that was her. I was just so distracted by how stupid that movie was. <laughs> there were so yeah, many see. Easter eggs in it and fun amusement, and then there was just all this other boredom in it. <laughs> I mean, there's some good casting in that. That's about all I can say. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, great production design, Ample Entertainment, Universal Presents. <laughs> but I was still waiting the second one, or whatever the hell that was. Yeah, poor Thomas Gibson. Oh, man. So, uh, but months before prepping for this, I was able to see a lot of her uh, TV movies and miniseries online before we prepped this episode, so that was fun. I remember seeing, she did a lot of Alex Haley adaptations, uh, and, you know, co-produced hmm. by Oprah and what have you. So, Their Eyes Were Watching God was an all right TV movie, but she really just made the movie worth watching just alone. She's like, she had this charisma unlike anyone else. She's in the biblical film as the title queen, you know, in Solomon and Sheba, just play opposite uh, Jimmy Smith. So that was interesting. She does six episodes of the Dallas spinoff Knots Landing. I have not seen that, but that's interesting. Hmm. Uh, it is. Years ago, I saw Alex Haley's uh, Queen, which was his kind of follow-up to Roots. And that was interesting, just showing young women, you know, married to rich white establishment and, and uh, uh, 18th and 19th uh, hundreds. So 
got to play opposite uh, Tim Daly and Danny Glover in that one. So it was interesting. Uh, but yeah, the main one I studied up that was like her first collaboration, I think, with Oprah's production company was, uh, say what you will about her, but uh, this was actually a pretty interesting TV movie, exploring a lot of the same themes, uh, and that was The Wedding. Once again, just talking about the 1950s, uh, marriage inequality, and, uh, you know, just hard seeing eye to eye with different cultures in that time. <laughs> And what kept it from really being a melodrama was just kind of just just a very natural, focused um, and shot kind of movie. So I thought that really stood out. Um, and I guess you could say everyone was kind of either distracted by how good or bad her movies were versus, you know, oh, I saw her naked in that movie. And it's just like, you know. Why don't you just focus on the talent? Yeah, I, I never really gave two shits about that. And everyone often would. And I would just be like, well, I mean, I'm a guy. So, I mean, if there is violence or nudity, I'll take it. But I, it's not required. <laughs> I'm just exactly. judging whether the movie's interesting or not. Or if it's a lost cause. So, 91 was a big year for her. Just to have three, movie, three cult movies back-to-back. You had The Last Boy Scout, you had Jungle Fever, and you have Strictly Business. <laughs> and Jungle Fever, I remember seeing in high school, and it was just always showing on one of the Stars channels, and I was just always blown away. It's like, man, that's that was her first role as Vivian, the crack addict, you know, talking shit to Sam Jackson and company. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of reminds me of the prostitutes in the movie Phone Booth. He gonna kick your ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 just... <laughs> playing, not playing a scumbag, but just playing just someone who's just high as a kite and just has no sympathy because you know, it's slowly dying and just <laughs> got no motivation to be better. Um, yeah, uh, she was definitely one of the one of the first earliest films I think I saw in her was definitely Executive Decision. You know, post X Men and oh yeah. Swordfish, and I gotta say, like many of these awesome celebs who I really admire, she's often pretty wasted in any movie where she like does a cameo as herself or just a voiceover role. This is kind of like, but I'm glad you didn't do too many of those. (laughs) Well, it's like a decision. I mean, that's like a prominent role in that, and yeah, and I mean, part that isn't like a damsel in distress. I wouldn't say entirely. Totally, totally, yeah. I mean, and I mean, she did that already after campy stuff like Fatherhood with Patrick Swayze and the program. Well, which I didn't know it existed until my brother mentioned that to me a few weeks ago. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Boomerang was almost on every other channel a lot of the time, TNT, BET. Um, but yeah, the program, that, that, that uh, TNT used to have that in the can every weekend. <laughs> When they were showing something like the replacements or the Matrix, you know? <laughs> every other Schwarzenegger or Stallone movie, they, they, yeah, the program was interesting, I guess, because it just felt very unusually real, and it it really wasn't all that well acclaimed, and yet at the same time, critics were always talking about just very realistic acting. What's <laughs> <laughs> the controversy with that? Mm. What's it? 
Okay. It's just debate on what is or isn't realistic about the movie. But no. yeah. Okay. Entertainment Weekly later re- that's so they must have been one of the ones who pinpointed it because they reviewed it for the video release and said it's better than its reputation. So there you go. <laughs> Roger Ebert was like the only critic who liked it. <laughs> so there you go. Um hmm. yeah. Uh Race the Sun and Rich Man's Wife, those were almost always on regular network uh afternoon movies. Um I believe, tried I believe Sorry. she said it's like her worst movie. Rich Man's Wife. Yeah, I have tried multiple times. I've even, It's always been one of those movies you hear about, you know you've seen it, but you don't know how or why. At first it was one of those, like, I just kind of want to see how violent or sleazy this is. I don't even remember those elements. <laughs> oh, Christopher McDonald's in it. A then unknown Clive Owen's in it. Peter Green, Zed from Pulp Fiction's in it. And I can never remember any of that either. So I guess you could say it's even more forgettable than the diabolical uh, remake uh, from 96 of Sharon Stone so it's just like yeah uh, yeah this movie blows what a waste of a cast damn I mean, Jesus yeah I so yeah so there, there you go reconfirming that so during a 2019 appearance on James Corden she was asked uh, what film she was on that she knew was going to be poorly received just based on the questionable filming. And she said, yeah, I'm sorry, everybody who worked on this movie, everybody, sorry, but the truth is the truth. I kind of knew it wasn't going to be the greatest cinematic experience for the people. You go into the movies always with the best intentions. And then sometimes you get on the set and you realize why was I high when I agreed to do this? <laughs> <laughs> and Yeah. Oh, well, it's by the writer of Indecent Proposals, so yeah, fuck that movie. <laughs> I've never bought it, so I'm good. Oh, God. <laughs> just another movie by Adrian Lyne where you're just like, yeah, was this meant to be a Red Shoe Diaries episode? Because this is pretentious as fuck. Honestly, I think the worst movie I've seen her in probably was Baps. That was one of those I would always just run into on the channels or why do fools fall in love? And each time I would just always see part of it. I just like, why do I care about any of these characters? And no one's talking like a regular person. And it's just, it's like Babs is like just a weird buddy movie that is kind of stuck in just, I don't know. It's like, that and Access Baggage were trying to outdo Batman and Robin. They didn't, but they were still like worst of the year in 97. <laughs> well, what's uh, weird about that one is I remember hearing about that because they had Deborah Wilson on TV in like a cameo as a flight attendant. And <laughs> <laughs> it was a very straight role. And like, wow, what a waste of her. 15 percent He's a garbage. There you go. 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. CinemaScore gave it a grade of a B, so someone liked it. <laughs> I guess. Roger Ebert gave a rare zero out of four stars. <laughs> but she got both a Razzie, or no, a Stinker nomination, and a Acapulco Black Film Festival nomination. <laughs> 
Someone saw it. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, I guess she was kind of the best part about Bullworth, but I kind of felt like that satire wasn't fully functioning. It just wasn't fully fleshed out. But it it was it wasn't stupid either. That was the other kind of amusing part. I guess yeah. the most forgettable one I've seen her do was probably Perfect Stranger. That was just one of those, like, oh, okay, God. so it's trying to be like all those stalker erotic thrillers, and you don't remember either of the sleaze, let alone even the plot twist. And I remember a lot of people were like, I didn't see the plot twist coming, or that was so predictable. It was just one of those, I, I was just not into it. And I like James Foley's earlier work, and I don't think it's his worst movie by far. No, not at all. It's not Fifty Shades, like his later shit, but. I remember other people saying, oh, it's the first movie she and Bruce Willis have been in since the last Boy Scout. It's like, uh, okay. Why is the trivia more interesting than the movie? <laughs> I just remember that being very dull. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't hate it, hate it, but I still don't remember anything about it. I don't remember that Giovanni Ribisi were in it. I don't remember that the dude, Gary Gurdon from CSI was in it. Jeez. Uh, again, just more interesting than actual movie. Yeah. <sighs> I guess it was better than the net, but that's not saying much. Why prefer the net, but... <laughs> I just remember Sandra Bullock being interesting. Um, losing a Saya, so... That's another movie that's kind of more interesting to talk about than actually kind of experiencing, I guess. But I think that just showed you how she could be a very protective, soulful person. So I thought that's definitely interesting. Um, Boomerang, I guess you could say, it was just too much of a chick flick for me. But, you know, she's definitely very stunning in that one. Uh, strictly Business total cult comedy just a very fun relaxing lazy fun movie <laughs> it was just cool seeing tommy davidson from in living color make a big screen debut it wasn't too imaginative but it was just a fun movie and yeah i think part of it, i also saw it as sam jackson and sam rockwell had some then unknown parts <laughs> Anne Marie Johnson was there from In the Heat of the Night, so there you go. <laughs> also in Love and Baller, so there you go. Um, yeah, Race the Sun, I think, was pretty reasonable. So, 96 was a good year for her, where you just start, you know, same year as the Zegger decision and Rich Man's Wife. So it's like she was in one lame movie, one and two easygoing crowd pleaser movies. I have a Blu-ray of Executive Decision somewhere. I can't figure out who I'm going to give that to. <laughs> Said to give gift to someone, but the Blu-ray screenshots seem to look pretty impressive. Oh, well, um, not on the Blu-ray also. Oh, nice. Okay. I was fortunate enough uh, on Bounce Network to finally see uh, Frankie and Alice, and that was definitely an intriguing one because, I mean, she's playing a stripper who's kind of bipolar and you know, still in guard is 
uh, helping her understand that because she's had a very abusive life, she's put aside all these various other personas. It was also interesting. That cast itself was pretty intriguing. Felicia Rashad was in there. I think as the mom, if not mistaken, there's some other Canadian faces. Even Max Headroom was in there. So yeah, Hmm. not a bad movie, but Someone just clicked. I think she just must have had a bad agent who just got her onto a lot of these awesome festival movies that just totally fudged their whole. I mean, they didn't go direct to video, but they had kind of delayed wide release because, I mean, it had a limited release in 2010 and then it finally got a wide release four years later. Not one, not two, but four years later. (laughs) What's going on here? But she got a lot of nominations. Oh, I take it back. She won an NAACP award, so nice. A PRISM award? Okay. Got a Golden Globe nominations. <laughs> oh, and one African American Film Critics Association for Best Actress. So there you go. She doesn't regret it. <laughs> well, I, guess, <laughs> <laughs> I guess the first dramatic role, I even saw it years before Monsters Ball, um, was Things We Lost in the Fire, where she played opposite of Benicio Del Toro. That was just one of those, they totally carried the movie. It was just kind of a slow-paced, depressing drama. But everyone getting over vices and addiction and everything. And she brought just an unusual naturalness to it. Um, And I think we can all say she's the best part as Jinx and the... Pierce Brosnan's final entry as James Bond in Die Another Day. <laughs> I would have been curious to see the spinoff. Yeah, I think that she really would have actually owned, and then she could actually say, you know, I was part of three different franchises, you know? <laughs> Maybe four, technically. So, yeah, okay. She's part of X Men, Bond, Kingsman, and John Wick. So, yeah, that's four franchises. So, there you go. <laughs> Although she was wasting Kingsman, but yeah, I although I, I kept lighting up, I'm like, Holly Bear, oh, he's getting dull again. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So she is supposed to be the lead in an upcoming Roland Emmerich disaster movie called Moonfall. Moonfall. Yep. <sighs> about that. Uh, she's got Michael Pena and Donald Sutherland, and she's got. Oh, she's got Patrick Wilson. Uh, that's not good. <laughs> uh, I'll see it, but I don't, definitely not <laughs> theater. Uh, well, I'm going to watch it for her. You know, I usually do. So I guess you could just say we're just looking forward to Bruce because she not only directed it, but she just kind of took it over and you look at who was attached to it before and it's like, yeah, I think you you're making a way more brutal and rewarding movie than what was originally attached. <laughs> like lively was supposed to be in the cast. Yeah, no, thanks. Just the kids are very directing. Yeah. It's like, we're kind of bland, honestly. Yeah. It's like, I've been meaning to see Kings, because that's talking about the 1992 uh, L.A. riots played opposite oh, yeah. uh, Daniel Craig. It got kind of lampooned, but 
I don't know. It looks like it'd be at least watchable. <laughs> at least a well-intended movie as opposed to a boring, you know. <laughs> like That's movie. true. Um, movie 43, I remember she had some new oh. music segments in the trailer, and I actually just sat for the movie when it was on Showtime not too long ago, and I was just like, yeah... And um, it's it's pretty bad. <laughs> that's torture. I watched the whole movie in one day. <laughs> oh, yeah, and just not funny. Just really, really just missed opportunity. It's just um, being forced. That's comedy. Now, it is interesting how she's done very minuscule uh, TV roles. Um, like I've tried. I can see why she was the best reason to kind of portray troubled uh, actress Dorothy Dandridge from the 50s and who died very young during the mid 60s. Um, I just couldn't get into the movie at all, despite it having one hell of a cast. But I guess you could say, yeah, she she had to be. <laughs> she yeah. had to play this role because, I mean, this is just a very important, tragic story. <laughs> And it was kind of one of those, like, Gia, just the story, the real life story is kind of more interesting than the actual story that's portrayed on screen. But it's interesting how, again, you know, this actress playing a, both a sex symbol and just a troubled real life person who just had no chance in hell and getting any fame or fortune. Mm-hmm. And she just knows how to just sink into that. Now... Should I finally actually renew my CBS All Access account, I can probably finally watch the show she was on called Extent, which ran for two seasons. I remember that was advertised. Never got to watch it. Same here. It was one of those. Just couldn't keep up with it. Like Alphas and Tide. She's like, okay, big name, you know, movie stars or character actors headlining a s- original sci-fi show. And I remember uh, Mickey Fisher was making waves. He was like an Ohio native who entered like an Austin, like screenwriting festival and somehow Spielberg's people greenlit it. And whoop de doo you know, it's on CBS and it's like, you're not actually in the writer's room, but as the creator, you get a say in, you know, the tone and how it goes. And it's like, that's cool. Hmm. Um, he later, the creator later created a bunch of other shows. I actually really liked a lot like reverie, but also for Amblin. So, um, this show, it was kind of funny. I, I meant to always see it, but uh, a few times some family members were actually unintentionally watching it while flipping for channels, and they got into a random argument. It's like, I think that's Holly Berry. No, no, Holly Berry doesn't do TV. <laughs> it's like, no, I think it's her. It has to be her. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's her. <laughs> I think I just came downstairs finally. It's like, yeah, that's her new show that just premiered. <laughs> yeah. She was on an episode of Drop the Mic, and I gotta say, she totally owned James Corden in an argument <laughs> in a roast battle. That's what it was. It's a mic drop battle. <laughs> okay. She, she owned. <laughs> she's an interesting actress also in that she's not afraid to just kind of play by the rules of what an actress does or doesn't do. Uh, I, I knew my grandparents hadn't really seen many movies of hers, but they would always see her on like the various talk shows, and they're like, she just seems like a natural, cool, nice person. You know, like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, she's yeah, she's not one of those very stuck up. Yeah, I know. 
I would even see some random people like on Vibe magazine just kind of toasting hers. Like, I can't respect someone who dates these kind of people. It's like, why do you care about someone's dating life? Oh, God. I hate that. <laughs> Let them date who they want. Uh, <laughs> I know she had an abusive boyfriend during the filming of Last Boy Scout, and... I think it's why she almost lost a hearing. Yeah, a former boyfriend accused, Christopher Williams accused Wesley Snipes as being responsible. Hmm. And I don't know. When people fight, you know, they don't know what they necessarily hit. Necessarily just kind of do a violent reaction. I can't see Snipes doing that. I can see him being a dick at a party and like not paying for someone's food. I don't see him. Yeah, I don't see him doing that either. I mean, I think she would have said something about dating him. Yeah. Um, look it up. She was rumored to have dated him. So, okay. Well, the role recently that I was happy to see her pull off was John McGree. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm training for five months that she described. Which I've always said before, when you put in the effort, it always shows. That's what I've always said. Mm-hmm. Hopefully she's in the fourth one. Fingers crossed. That's all I could hope for. Yeah. Uh, and she kind of just had a natural kind of smooth just playing off of Keanu Reeves. You know, just playing, you know, <laughs> over the top, reserved, violent man. <laughs> it was pretty pissed off in the beginning and then how to deal with it. <laughs> Which was fun to see. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I just had a natural kind of choreography. I've always heard about her being pretty athletic. Um, I think that's why I think everyone kind of warmed up to her. They, they liked... Uh, the unpredictability of knowing uh, just, you know, not knowing which person she's going to appear in, you know. <laughs> a lot of people didn't like Cloud Atlas, but I, I dug that one. She and Tom Hanks got to play multiple different characters in different time loops. And... I feel like I checked that one out. Yeah, it was better than Jupiter Ascending because, I mean, it actually... You know, it was based on an actual book, um, more or less. It was just interesting, kind of just seeing them all play, you know, different versions of the same characters. Um, kind of reminded me of Sense8 and Babylon 5 in a way. <laughs> hmm. Some of the same people were involved with, so. And then she has... What was that called? Dark Tide? That I believe oh, in the video, yeah. which 
Yeah, so that's basically like the only misstep of her career where someone didn't know what to do with her project. Actually, no, it played like at a... I think that was one of the few video-on-demand movies of the 2012s. That's when it was first becoming a thing. It was a critical failure in box office bomb. But yeah, she basically was on vacation, just did a movie with her then-boyfriend at the time, Oliver Martinez, who was just used to playing just you know, bad guys. But yeah, it was one of those, like, I'm waiting for the shark attacks and not seeing any shark attacks. <laughs> nope. Well shot, but it's boring as fuck. Can't recommend it. And... Yeah. <laughs> That's not what I can say about Kidnap, which. Yeah, Kidnap. An enjoyable thriller. So a lot of people bashing that one, and I'm just like, I see nothing wrong with it. I remember it; it was kind of in the can for like a few years. No one knew when it was coming out. Then it, the trailer just swept Facebook for a while, and it was like, oh, that looks like like a super violent, fun movie. <laughs> Which it was. Oh yeah, uh, that and the call. I mean, the call could have been is kind of more of a horror movie with some kind of like phone book with some action and horror elements, exciting moments, but it's for the most part, it's kind of a creepy movie. And yeah, she kind of one ups. She's still in the call mode, but she gets a really cool speed type car chase. I like how she just brings a naturalness to it. It's like, again, that's it's kind of her thing. She just, you never really feel like anything she's saying just feels false in any way. I don't remember her at all in the ensemble cast of New Year's Eve, but I think she was in the trailer for that. I think out of all the movies she was in that I was surprised that had a bad reputation that were hardly as bad as one would have thought was probably uh, Gothica. I just remember seeing that on HBO and I was like, you know, it's not unwatchable like every other local review I was reading of that claimed. <laughs> no, it's not unwatchable. I, mean, I think she and Penelope Cruz are the best parts of the whole film. Yeah, I really just... I know it got edited up pretty badly. I just pretty much only remember just the premise and the plot twist ending at the very end, where every movie was trying to be like the sixth sense. <laughs> but I mean, she even won a <laughs> Teen Choice Award, so there you go. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Teens shouldn't have been watching those movies, but that's what they were doing. Um, they didn't care. They don't care. Yeah. <laughs> it was an uncanny horror movie. I remember one uh, neighbor who I used to hang out with claimed that he got nightmares watching it. I was like, seriously? Uh, 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 even back then, I wouldn't have gotten nightmares with it. It was kind of more like ghost shit where you just remembered it being just over the top, but not scary <laughs> just intense i don't know everyone's got a different version of what they consider scary my version of what i consider scary is just kind of more just i don't know just constant just ah! <laughs> yeah that's the same with me same way and not just oh my god someone did something awful to someone it's like or the constant jump scares. I hate that the most. But... You know, even nowadays, jump scares are just so cheap. It's just like... well, that's why I hate the most when they go the cheap route. <sighs> yeah. um, mm -hmm. I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy.
don't hate me, folks. That's just my opinion. Yeah, boy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she was like the first, like the first one to like accept the Razzie in person for Catwoman. I just thought that's so funny because I mean, she really does carry that movie. A lot of people were hating so many other people in that movie, and it's like, well, to be fair, they didn't have anything to work with. I think Benjamin Bratt wasn't used to playing with far more attractive lead stars, and it's just the the music video director was just so uninspired. He had done like he had like one name. His name's like Pito or something like that, yeah. and it's just like he just doesn't know how to contribute anything to the story except just show close-ups of her you know inner tights you know stuff that even makes the trailer it's like yeah i'm not getting any kind of story <laughs> could have worked but it's just not interesting yeah i'm gonna try with david fincher also no no <laughs> we're not yeah i remember there was even like a video game of it <laughs> and it was oh, kind no. of interesting yeah, and everyone was like, yeah, it sucks. But even though Holly's likeness is used in it, she's not even voicing it. I don't blame her. <laughs> Probably would have racked up a bigger body count. Um, I'm still waiting on a better version of Catwoman to kind of come to the big screen. But I think it is long past. They're, given how there's still some sexism in Hollywood, you're never going to see really Catwoman in anything unless it's a cartoon or a TV show or it's just part of an ensemble cast. It's like, that just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 One hell of a stupid cast too. You got the Merovingian from Matrix in there. You got Michael Massey from The Crow and in total crow fashion, he ends up shooting her, and she falls to her death. I'm <laughs> like, oh, typecasting. Oh, I thought that was him doing that. Oh, no. Yeah. Jesus. Peter Wingfield from Highlander was in there as the doctor in one scene, and it's like... <laughs> you also got Alex Borstein showing up as... Yeah, even... annoying friend. Yeah, from years before Family Guy. Um, uh... It's like Michelle Pfeiffer and then unknown Canadian actress Missy Peregrine from Stick It and FBI was in there. It's like just playing graphics models. <laughs> it was like, well, I was filmed dirt cheap in Canada. But yeah, it's like so much time. Just It just shows you it doesn't matter <laughs> what it's filmed with or anything. If people just dick around, it's just not going to. It was like one of the last movies to be released to VHS, but yeah, it's like if people uh, play around, you're just gonna, you're not gonna get anything. I know her performance was panned by some people. I didn't see anything wrong with her performance. I just thought the movie was just stupid, but I had fun kind of the writing on that one. Yeah, the writing absolutely sucked. And while it would have been acceptable in any other way, just the way it was. Ex- executed it was just it had a lot of dull stuff i pretty much just only remember just how goofy the fights are but it's way more of a drag than even batman and robin it's just like oh well yeah i'm like that which at least i can say it's colorful and but you can make fun of that absolutely <laughs> and this was definitely the first one uh, this and I and Flux were the movies where I would start seeing people be criticized for their movie choices, and it's like, it's just a pattern. 
you film some of these movies before you get the win. You don't know what's going to do good or bad. And exactly. she kind of had fun making it. It was just one of those, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I see it opening day and it's like, yeah, it's not good. Um, Same here, opening day. Uh, it was so fun. Although less torturous than Angley's Hulk, but oh yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, at least there's not really any embarrassing moments. It's just very stupidly shot. Oh god, and it just goes on and on and on to just like end already. Um, and poorly written. Yeah. Like one of the first movies Zoe Bell did stunts for in the United States or Canada, but yeah, <laughs> I don't even know that. Yeah, I think she doubled Sharon Stone during her death scene or whatever, but whatever. That's <laughs> something after Kill Bill, volume one and two. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, two thousand early two thousands. You would have thought there'd be some growing, you know, action stars or badass movies and <laughs> it made a lot of money and yet it just <laughs> I guess they were just so unproud of it they did not want to <laughs> they went by with the sequel yeah which thank god yeah <laughs> I mean I don't know maybe they could have improved upon it but <laughs> just that's a lot right. to have to combat <laughs> might as well have been direct video um so that one I think is just so infamous it's rarely even shown on TV nowadays. Um I would have thought it would have been a TBS kind of <laughs> USA network. I thought so too. Uh, no. Um yeah, overall I, I pretty much like her resume. I mean, even if you don't like X-Men, yeah, there's plenty of other stuff to go around with her strong dramatic roles. She she's she can do like a awesome movie and do nothing for the next five years and I'm cool with it. <laughs> I really am. Um, oh, yeah. I like how she's, I, she was definitely one of the first people I knew about how she had been like, uh, like adopted or something. No, look that up. Was she adopted? No. Was she adopted? No, I'm not, I'm, I might be thinking of some other celebrity. Nope. Okay. Yeah. So just born to an English white mother. That's who it was. And father yeah. was an African American psychiatric hospital attendant. So there you go. Hmm. Raised alone by her mom because her dad was abusive and left early on. So, so yeah, I would see her at the premieres. I, I definitely remember, I think it was in like Spanish class or something. I was read. I was always just reading various magazines and I'd hear people talk about just seeing all the various hit movies, what they're known for. And just mm -hmm. everyone in high school and junior high, for that matter, knew who she was. She just had instantly recognized. She's on all the award shows, talk shows. Um, and uh, it was interesting how she kind of uh, just uh, she 
they not only were talking about her sex appeal, but also just really just incredible actress. And that's where I learned about other actress uh, that we've already covered on here, like, or at least we'll in the future, like Angelina Jolie and Antonio Banderas. Since that was just one of those, mm-hmm. like, just learning about all these people, their mixed heritage, and just would see her bring her mother to her film premieres, whoever she was dating at the time. It's like, and just very lively in, in interviews. She and Hugh Jackman, I think, whenever I would see them in interviews, were very interesting in terms of they would just play just very safe and while not answering even predictable questions, just mm-hmm. really go into what makes anything resonate as a performer. Was she on Inside the Actor's Studio? Yep. Yes, she was. Okay, so there you go. I think I might have seen that one. I think I saw that one too, but it's been a long time. 2007 episode. Yeah, I definitely saw at least part of it. The episodes were on YouTube. Oh, cool. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Any other things you wanted to add that you've learned about her over the years or that just stands out about her? No, like I mentioned before, that she always seems like a really nice person, and she even like on on Instagram, she always likes to talk to her fans. Never. Oh really? Oh yeah. Every now and then she will. That's cool. Q and A questions. She ever do a Reddit? I don't believe she has, unless I'm mistaken. I have to check that, but. I'd definitely be curious if she was, because, you know. That is cool. Very cool, very cool. Yep, I think she's a team player, and I keep kind of comparing her and Charlize, because they just kind of have a just very similar careers, you know. Yeah. Lifestyles, raised by a single, tough parent abusive dad <laughs> unfortunately never laid a hand on him got into modeling got into the most unusual bit part roles did brief tv stuff and commercials and then non-stop movie roles then uh you know criticized following their award win you know being in lesser stuff that's kind of become a cult hit <laughs> and mm-hmm. still constantly working and once again working with the john wick people so there you go it's just Pretty much same kind of agent. Maybe they do have the same agent. I don't know. But I I think it's still interesting how just navigate that difficult landscape that is. Well, I should point out for John McRae that I found this out in one of her interviews that apparently she went up to them at the gym. I can do that. <laughs> Well, she basically said, like, I can do that. I'll train right now. And, like, we don't have a script. And she's like, I'm doing this movie. (laughs) Make one. Make one. And they're like, okay, you're hired then. (laughs) I can't see her not returning for part four or five. Um, I hope she does, honestly. Because now she's established not only how key her backstory is to the title character, but... I'm sure she's got an interesting crime underworld that she's had to navigate, and I mean, having all those attack dogs. <laughs> well, to be in the, in the trailer for John Wick Three, they showed 
her at the hotel, the Continental, but that wasn't in the movie. I'm curious if they'll insert that in the fourth one. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And if anything, I hope she and Fishburne and, you know, also appear on the TV show, The Continental, which... I'm sure they will. I know they say Keanu will, definitely. Yeah. I don't know if it's still going for stars or it's going to be a USA Network thing. Either way, it's going to be a TV mature audience thing, so that's fine by me. I think um, it was. Last yeah. Night. Absolutely. And I mean, she has just such a huge resume that I think everyone's just going to continue from that point on to just kind of enjoy and embrace. Only on rare occasions, believe it or not, have I encountered some white and black peers who think she's an overrated actress. Oh, she didn't deserve it for Monsters Ball. And I'm just like, really? I, I don't get that she lucked out or anything. I don't... <laughs> yes. There's plenty of other pretty faces you and I can't stand. And yeah. I, I'm not... I, I don't see any lack of emotion or intensity to any of those roles. I mean, she's sold me anytime she's even just cried in a role on a brief oh, occasion. Yeah. And that's what I also like too. She's found that in between kind of niche to not be a victim and not just even be just cliche, strong willed person. It's just like, I guess you could just say she brings not uh, just kind of a thinking person's kind of mentality to everything. And that's, what stands out more than just, you know, tough gal, young and inexperienced gal. She's never picked anything too dorky that an audience can't buy into. <laughs> even in some of these bad movies we've talked about way too long, I don't, I can't even say that she's a poorly written person in, you know, Rich Men's Wives or Catwoman. I think she's just really good at just kind of picking someone who's just kind of reacts uh, occasionally romantic, but then just always just fights back, fights back. <laughs> Definitely. Much like real life, she's fought back against every kind of obstacle, and she's never taken any kind of racially or overdone kind of roles, or even underwritten roles. Like Jinx was really awesome in James Bond. I didn't think the movie was worth a shit, but she. You'd never seen that kind of Bond girl before, you know, even with Michelle Yeoh and Tomorrow Never Dies, she brought such a different mentality. She had all these lame one-liners to deliver and she sold it and she made it badass, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, I think Monster Balls is just even an important movie and that, that just show everyone's just so distracted on what it won or, and it's like they don't do enough talking about what it covers, how, you know, a racist, you know, comes infatuated with this other gal who's related to a prisoner he executed and just finding forgiveness. So I think that's just it, too. She finds all these other atypical elements that most movies, you know, every A-lister just never seems to get any of those elements just because everyone's got to rewrite everything a hundred times to where what sounded like a cool idea when you signed on is now unrecognizable from the final product. Um, I think you could say she's just also uh, been pretty good at just kind of, I don't know, just anytime she smiles, I, I just, I feel happy. <laughs> it's just, she, she has that kind of 
kind of natural ability to just she's a crowd pleaser and at the same time she puts the humanity in the crowd pleasing movie so i i I would definitely take her resume over other people who i like who i can't say i've done anything really good recently like sandra bullock (laughs) uh yeah i can say that too and i well (laughs) Jamie Foxx, I'm looking at you. That's a cameo, but... Yeah, well, hopefully Keanu Reeves tells her to be in one of these John Wick movies. <laughs> I'm, surprised, uh, I'm surprised she hasn't, honestly. Couldn't hurt. I didn't do that or do a sequel to Speed. And I know you guys aren't doing that anytime soon, so just be part of the John Wick universe. <laughs> yeah. How about be friends with Halle Berry? Yeah, there, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Watch that. Go all akimbo. <laughs> we take down the continent. Um, and more or less, I guess you could say, so other than just being a cool person on screen, off screen, I think you could say it's interesting seeing how she brings in unusual amount of just I guess you could say just uh, accountability for every kind of role she does. And mm-hmm. uh, more or less, she, I mean, I really don't think she can go wrong. <laughs> not even, like we said, any film that's. Everyone's going to be in like... some bad movie. You just don't know. And I think, I think Bruce is going to be an interesting movie just because I mean, it's about an MMA fighter trying to reconnect with an estranged uh, kid of hers. And, you know, she decided to direct it. And it just sounds so much more promising since she got involved with it, submitted it to Toronto and, you know, uh, a work working print copy of it. And already Netflix, you know, is going to premiere it soon. <laughs> I just can't wait for it. I, I like those kind of independent kind of movies. <laughs> It's interesting because I know she heavily trained with MMA fighters and yeah, you're gonna the same stunt team, eighty-seven eleven. It sounds like it mm-hmm. can even go more emotional than other typical MMA kind of movies like Warrior. It seems like this one is just about connect both in the ring and out of the ring with family. And I, 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 I have just looking at that one set photo. I, I just have. And just the title alone, Bruise, is like, I have no doubt this is going to be pretty raw, like kind of like Southpaw or something. <laughs> I hope so. If it's as close to that, then I'd be totally fine. Totally. It's anything that's more than just, you know, Rocky or Best of the Best knockoff. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's what they're going to go for with this. So. Mm-hmm. Definitely going to be more realistic. Right. And I do. Love, I do love a character's name. Is Jackie Justice? That's a character's name. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, I think it's also interesting how she's one of the few mixed celebrities who everyone kind of forgets is kind of mixed. She's kind of played in everyday kind of people roles instead of just race specific mm-hmm. roles. So I think that's definitely a groundbreaking. Hopefully, someone's taking note of that instead of you know, just only cast a white or a black person, you know, in this particular role. It's like, no, just cast someone who's going to do a damn good job with the role. <laughs> That's what I've always said. It doesn't matter the color of the person. 
It depends upon if the wife of the role. That's what I've always said. Yeah, and I, I, re- I seriously can't find really anything uh, other than like a briefly ugly uh, custodial battle with a French Canadian model. She likes those bad boys. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, leaving the scene of a car accident in 2000. Like, so other than that, I think she learned early on. It's like, I got to be accountable. I can't <laughs> got to be a good role model. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, even with her various divorces, she's kept that pretty under wraps. So I think she has pretty good PR, pretty good representation. And I just can't sit and think of anything else to say. Other than that, she's just, kind of hit the ground running and she's she's always taken off on something big and there's plenty of other movies and shows that she's been on that are just waiting to be discovered by fans of hers so well, hopefully so yeah for sure for sure so uh what are you taking on next on the action elite website john hmm well, I have to check and see what's on Tubi. That'll be my go-to site to find anything. Although I might <laughs> ask if I could review one one certain movie that's coming up in two weeks. We'll see if I get that chance. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Like surprises. Thank you for being on the show, and as always, just a fun and quick episode. Thank you for having me. Anytime. Anytime. Godspeed. <laughs> we'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure All, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, Dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. 
Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, PJ. Ah, yes. I am the master storyteller (laughs) of the podcast realm. (laughs) Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers. Yes. The Google Play. Yes. Apple Podcasts. What else? Podbean. What else? Podcast Addict. Goddamn. All that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere. Worldwide, baby. Hustle motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah. We gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want his hair to say. Ah. 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 All that good fun stuff. <laughs> well, <laughs> you. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't, don't run the listeners away, PJ. Ah, I'm sorry. But this is going kind of long. Yes. So we'll end this and say, hey, check out the Home Video Hustle every Friday on all the various podcast outlets. Peace. Peace. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. Take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen, and give them a podcast. And what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Oh, necrophilia. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this? No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get out of it. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. This film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history doll popping up at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did you watch this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. 
and we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. It's time, let's check our cue, baby. Pair it with a couple brews, baby. We love good movies. We love the bad ones, too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh, yeah. Everything I learned from movies helps to make life a little bit With a one last plot holes of gratuitous movies. It's time to get busy with your friend Steven Izzy. At eilfm.podbean.com. Welcome to Who Was She Podcast. I'm your host, Tara Jabari. After a decade working in documentaries, marketing, and all things digital media, I found that podcasting is a strong medium to share stories. After years of producing for others, I decided to start my own biographical podcast. Who Was She will focus on the life of a woman throughout Baha'i history. The first season is about Lydia Zeminoff. Lydia's story explores the subjects of the power of language and faith. Her father invented the universal language Esperanto, and she came from a Jewish family and became a Baha'i. She grew up during World War I and was killed during World War II in a concentration camp, despite heroic efforts to save her life. How can one person's life intersect with so many others, connect across borders, and inspire a biography which inspired this podcast? Over the next few weeks, I will share her story with you and the lives that were most affected by her and those who affected her life as well. They include her father, Ludwig Semenov, her spiritual mother, American journalist Martha Root, and the Baha'i German soldier Fritz Mako, who worked for the resistance undercover while having to serve the Nazi party. I want to thank the author, Wendy Heller, and George Ronald Publishing for their blessing to let me use Heller's biography, Lydia, The Life of Lydia Zeminoff, Daughter of Esperanto, as a main and instrumental resource for this podcast. So please subscribe and learn about this amazing woman who traveled through three continents in an effort to bring unity through the power of language. You can also find more information on our Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Who Was She Podcast. Music was composed and performed by Sam Red. I am your host, Tara Jabari. Join us next time as we begin our journey about Lydia Zeminoff. Hi, everybody. It's Mac Jackson. I wanted to invite you to a new site called the Forever Adventure Network. This website has everything. Pictures, videos, blogs. There's original music by Harmony Constant. 
two podcasts. One is the MacGyver podcast, where we celebrate Richard Dean Anderson, his iconic roles, and how it's influenced our lives. There's episode discussions, interviews, and life conversations. The second podcast is the Never Gets Old podcast, where we celebrate all the best things that we love in life, from TV, movies, music, and comics. The site is also the home for the MacGyver SG-1 audio series, an ongoing adventure series that continues the adventures of MacGyver and SG-1. There are also multiple stores to choose from for all of your pop culture and adventure needs. Come on by and check us out today. And thanks for joining the adventure. Are you sick of the same old stale podcasts? Well then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. <laughs> and still, they just might be a little contagious. We now continue with our program. on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up review show.